Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Welcome to Latino Founder Hour, episode 115. This is Edgar Navas, founder of Clica and host of the Latino Founder Hour show. I want to welcome again uh, our, our friend Kat Perez. She was in episode 32 previously. She is one of the co-founders of Hell Sherpa in California. How are you doing, Kat? I'm doing very, uh, very well today, Edgar. Thanks for, again for having me on the show. No, thanks for coming back, Kat. And, you know, obviously, you know, it's pretty exciting for us to have you. you I got to say, you know, you, it's still in my notes. You're one of my favorite. The moniker, <laughs> Queer Corican is a stog. It's in the description. <laughs> it still makes me chuckle. Um, and by the way, happy Pride Month. Yeah, uh, thank it's you. A fantastic. So, again, considering everything that's happening outside, you know, we got riots, so we got a deadly pandemic. Uh, I'm happy to hear that you're okay. You're doing, you're doing fine. But um, what, what else has been happening since we spoke almost two years ago when we started the show? Yeah, so there's been a lot going on. I mean, obviously, you mentioned the, the current things that are happening in our world, in our country, right? The, the pandemic, um, more recently, the uprisings and, and the protests nationally, right? Um, a lot of that certainly, especially as it related to the pandemic, has impacted um, the work that we're doing at Health Sherpa. But uh, going back a couple years, because it has been a couple years, I think we, we spoke in what, uh, 2018? 2018. Yeah. 2018, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness, time flies. Um, yeah, a lot. We definitely have uh, done a lot since then. So we had another big, big milestone over 3 million people enrolled uh, through Health oh, Sherpa. Wow. Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. last, um, last open enrollment, we, uh, we accounted for about 15% of all ACA marketplace volume. That's, I did see that in the news. That is fantastic. Yeah. That is a, yeah. That is an, an incredible considering, um, everything that's, that's happening, you know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's quite a remarkable number. Yeah, yeah. So last open enrollment was a really big one for us. Um, and a lot of that is also kind of due in part to some of the technology integrations that we built with healthcare.gov and rolled out uh, last open enrollment. So uh, we are we are one of the only um, kind of private web brokers out there and, and technology companies who had who had this technology primarily and, and did 90% of the volume through it um, for open enrollment. So essentially what the, the, the integrations allowed us to do was just kind of an end-to-end -end experience, including after people submitted their applications, if the government needed uh, documents and, and payments and all of those things, it could all be done on Health Sherpa. So it was a big year for us. Um, and, and as you can imagine, as we look forward, considering what's happening today, there is there is a lot um, that, uh, you know, we are thinking about and, and actively doing to kind of support the volume of of people who will come through due to, you know, unemployment rates and, and loss of coverage. Yeah. Hey, before we, we continue, because I have a lot of questions regarding this. Uh, just for the people that, ha that haven't uh, listened to episode 32, which I encourage to do, uh, can you just give a little background who you are, like really quick recap, because it's it's all in there in episode. You have a phenomenal story and I'd love to tell it to a lot of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I am the co-founder and chief product officer at Health Sherpa which is a technology company and a team of people um, that is dedicated to helping folks find quality, affordable health coverage under the ACA, so the Affordable Care Act, formerly known as Obamacare. Um, essentially, my story is I uh, was born and raised in New Jersey, um, and as you mentioned, Edgar, I identify as a, a queer Korean, so I'm a queer, um, half Puerto Rican, half Korean uh, woman, so I live in an inter interesting intersection of identity. Um, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, as I mentioned before, but, you know, both of my parents 
uh, worked multiple jobs uh, growing up. So I didn't have, yeah. you know, they didn't, they didn't have the luxury of an education. Um, and so they worked really hard to kind of help um, send me off to college. And I was actually the first of a very large family, um, extended family to go to and graduate college. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's- yeah. No, that, 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 that's a fantastic. And, and again, you know, I like to, to, to tell because, you know, you had some challenges, you know, growing up and, but, you know, here you, that's, that's what made, yeah, that's what made you who you are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was huge. And that was very much in part to, you know, a, a lot that my parents had sacrificed for myself and my, my siblings. Um, and I moved to uh, San Francisco when I was in my mid twenties, a very long time ago. <laughs> and, uh, and of course I, I moved to San Francisco to find um, more community, especially as it relates to kind of the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Um, and there I, I really kind of dipped my toes and entered into entrepreneurship and technology. I, I was able to kind of make my way into that space as I had gone to college traditionally for design, so I had a design background, um, okay. and I was yeah, and I was able to kind of navigate into the technology space and move more to kind of a product and, and leadership role. So that's that's uh, that's kind of the high level. I think the thing that really was a pivotal point in my career was the the Salesforce hackathon that I entered in 2013, and it was the same year that healthcare.gov had launched for the first time, and our entry was to make a more kind of user-friendly, human humanized version of um, healthcare.gov for okay. iOS. And the prize was a million dollars. And long story short, we ended up winning that million dollars. So that kind of really sparked the kind of the trajectory of my, my technology career. That was a, the, the first investment in the in health Sherpa. Yes. Yeah. It was at that time, our company was called healthcare.love, you know, so okay, yeah, the, yeah. the pun there. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, and, you know, worked on that for about a year and several products and ended up kind of connecting with Ming and George, my current co-founders of HealthSherpa. They were about a year into their product as well and just combined forces. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, um, we have that, you know, fast forward, we get this, you know, this administration, which was, you know, uh, had made his goal of, mm-hmm. you know, completely dismantling Obamacare. You know, they, I remember hearing that they reduce, you know, 90, 90, 90, 90% of the uh, advertisement and marketing budget for mm-hmm. the pro- enrollment program. So uh, basically it was a problem like, hey, let's let it let it out to die, you know, going into courts. So how did that affect your business? You know, there were uh, nominal effects of the business. I'm sure what the intention, I I mean, we can guess what the intention may be, right, of the current administration and just just kind of getting the word out and shortening the open enrollment period. But I think for us, you know, Eye on the prize, we we still kind of had a mission of of showing up for folks, right, and getting the word out. And we were able to do that through kind of creative ways. So anything that kind of was modified from a policy perspective as it related to the ACA with the new administration, um, you know, for us ended up having a a positive outcome, to be honest. We had more enrollments, kind of more more ability as a mission-driven kind of social impact company, only focusing on ACA coverage to integrate with um, with healthcare.gov and, and work with folks over uh, in D.C. So I think, you know, regardless kind of the optics of, of some of the, these policies and the intentions behind some of these policies that came down from the administration, we yeah. as a as a company were able to still focus on helping people access ACA coverage and and kind of came out on top there. Well, that's it. But 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 in a sense, did, did you find it that people were asking you a lot, like, "Hey, is this going to exist? Why should I enroll in something that you know the government is bent you know bent over backwards to to get rid of? Was that just like a a I common think- theme? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the common theme was just confusion, right? Like, is it going mm-hmm. away? If anything, people were like, I want, I need to enroll, right? Because yeah. before the, before this potentially goes away, right? So I think um, one of the, yeah, one of the effects of, of 
you know, those provisions and those policies and the continued kind of discussion from <clears throat> the administration on kind of potentially dismantling the ACA is just like people are trying to get that coverage as soon as possible. And they're worried that it's going to go away. So, I mean, we're talking about millions and millions of people who have ACA coverage and would potentially lose it. So it, it wouldn't be a, a, a good move. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you know, here we are, it's election year. Uh, have we, I have honestly, I haven't, I haven't followed that, you know, what has happened since uh, in the administration? Has there been any change or shift in policy or optics? I know they're still trying to do whatever, but obviously they have other pressing issues that are more far line. Yeah, so I think the I think that conversation is still going is still ongoing within um, the current administration. I mean, I can only speak to just what what I've heard out there um, yeah. in the news. Uh, so I believe you know there's still discussions still moving through the courts. I don't um, I don't know that anything will kind of obviously especially during these times will happen right. Like there's nothing that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, and, you know, it all really depends on the outcomes of the, the election that's coming up in November as well. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. So, uh, well, we, we were mentioning, you know, um, God, you guys have, you know, right now have about 14, 15 percent of the market for coverage. Was that mm -hmm. your initial goal when you when you guys set out to, you know, what, you know, was that part of your metrics? Yeah, so so there's a couple things that we kind of set out to do in the past couple of years. So one of the one of the other big things that's happened um uh in terms of health Sherpa since we've last talked yeah. is we we launched a mobile friendly um Medicaid application product. Okay. And so that is if you think about kind of Medicaid uh, eligibility and an application and that enrollment process, it varies state by state. Uh, but you can start that process, the eligibility determination through uh, the federal marketplace. And so because we have these integrations with healthcare.gov, we were able to kind of build this application uh, product for Medicaid eligible folks or applicants, uh, which was huge. And I, and I mentioned this because Medicaid applications in the past um, in the past three or four months during this in the middle of this pandemic, right? Have yeah. tripled since the beginning of the year. So, oh, wow. if you can, yeah, if you can imagine all of these people, these you know, thirty million plus people who are unemployed, losing their income, right? They that would essentially that low or no income bracket would put them kind of in in the Medicaid uh, in the Medicaid bucket. So, um, the fact that we we spent time building this this application and this product last year for folks when there's no money in it, right? There's absolutely no money in in uh, Medicaid uh, applications are within this product. It's just really oh, kind of uh, and why is that? Uh, well, we because there's there essentially you know the way that our business model works as a as a company as a double bottom line company is we essentially um, are web brokers, so we're licensed agents. Yeah. Um, okay. The, the difference between us and other agencies or other folks who are licenses, we, we have a kind of a, a mission-driven um, ethos and we see things through that lens. So um, we're not only kind of uh, measured on enrollments that whereas, you know, with these enrollments, care insurance companies would pay us commissions if they're paying commissions yeah. Um, yeah. to agents. Um uh, but we are also measured on just coverage in general. And Medicaid is, a, is was part of the ACA kind of um, rollout, right? And is also an incredibly um, uh, kind of a great program as it relates to coverage for people with low or no income and other okay. folks like pregnant pregnant moms and so forth. So, um, so the the fact that we have kind of focused as a company because of our mission to to kind of help folks get get an access coverage um, on a Medicaid product is huge and it's paying dividends now, now while we're in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah. And obviously, you, absolutely. Mm -hmm. you, it's something that you guys obviously didn't plan. You could have a global pandemic approve your model. No, no, <laughs> no. Not but at all. So, so now I'm understanding a little bit more, you know, the, why you guys are doing this. And so you got health share, but you know, with Obamacare, um, the ACA, now, Medicare, are you also thinking of Medicare in the future? 
creating an integration for Medicare? Um, Medicaid. Uh, uh, no, for Medicare, the, for the um, no, no, the one is Medicaid, the other one's Medicare. Yes, and I'm so glad that you're touching on that because people yeah. get confused about those two programs all the time. And uh, honestly, <laughs> honestly, whoever names them, you know, like <laughs> I think we're we're seeing we're seeing a lot of the confusion uh, uh, play out. Yes, Medicare is a completely different. That's 65 plus um, or, or folks with yeah. uh, disabilities, right? Um, Medicaid is for low and no income, low income. folks. Department, yes. yes, exactly. So, so that was my question. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. also going forward and in, in, in the future, is it in the, in the plans in the worst to also go after that market and Medicare, the 65 plus? Oh, got it, got it. Okay, yes. Um, so we also do help folks uh, enroll in Medicare. So Medicare is, is highly, highly regulated and rightfully so because you want to protect your seniors, right? You don't want yeah. kind of predatory agents kind of going after them and, and you know, doing all sorts of uh, sales tactics to get those get that commission, right? So, um, so Medicare is highly regulated. We do support Medicare as well. So we do support over 65. We can help folks kind of navigate their options as it relates to um, supplemental plans, prescription drug plans, and even Medicare Advantage plans. So we do do that all over the phone. Oh, okay. Oh, perfect. So, so it's not just an app. So you, you actually have live agents. For Medicare, yeah. And we have live agents and an app and a product for both Marketplace and Medicaid. Okay. And that's at the, at the national level. So because I, I know here in the state of Oregon where we are, Mm-hmm. Um, it's through their own, their own state, state portal, which, by the way, was also a big scandal. You know, there were millions of dollars invested and, and, and paid to a, a big company that never worked. So uh, they had to, at the end, go to the federal mm-hmm. uh, website. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another issue for another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so your, your company helping um, states to navigate that. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when you think about the states the, who have Medicaid offices who are only taking paper applications. I mean, oh boy. Even, we're in 2020, right? Yes. <laughs> um, that is that is challenging. And to ask, you know, folks who are uh, from kind of low income households to do that between, you know, all of the part time jobs and all the things that they have going on in their lives is, is just that is that is not the most accessible way to get folks access to care. Well, accessible or efficient. I mean, exactly. we've seen it. You know, we uh, this past pan- pandemic, what we've seen is just uh, other failures and uh, uh, in all system mm-hmm. processes in the government. We we saw, mm-hmm. you know, the state of New Jersey completely overwhelmed with uh, unenrolled. Um, I'm sorry, unemployment, and they were like looking for COBOL programmers. I'm like, and like, wow, it's mm-hmm. like COBOL, like 40 year old, 50 year old programming language. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The state of Oregon, uh, just this week, uh, they, they, the governor asked the, the, the secretary, the person in charge of the uh, unemployment department to step down because, you know, it's a, it, it was a mm-hmm. complete disaster to, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people waiting for their unemployment checks mm-hmm. as of today. Uh, wow. And again, yeah. because, why? Because we rely on outdated technology that wasn't ready in any capacity to support mm-hmm. something like this. Exactly. Yep. Um, so, so, so to me, this is like, uh, it, it baffled, like, you know, why are you know, startups like yours, you know, getting adopted more and more or being in, in a sense, the standard for, for the, for the States and maybe the federal government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's something that has, uh, you know, has kind of shifted into kind of more positive, uh, around this uh, since we've last talked, which is all of those integrations and the technology, uh, which really kind of supports that experience, right? The best experience possible for a consumer or a person coming through to Health Sherpa. And then to your point, we've got people on on standby who can answer their questions um, because people are still going to want to talk to humans, right? Not, not everyone's. Yeah. And not everybody has access to a computer when you think about, you know, the populations and the, and the communities of people that we're serving. Um, one of the things that I also want to mention is since we've last talked is we've built up our internal kind of Spanish speaking team, which is awesome. And okay. uh, we've ended up translating a lot of resources on the blog and content and emails and the product as well uh, to support kind of the, the Latinx and Hispanic communities coming through. Um, 
And we've actually seen our calls um, into those teams and into those lines double compared to last year. And as you can imagine, it's really spiked the past few months uh, with, with the current kind of state of things and, and the pandemic. Oh, wow. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, again, that, that's great to know because, you know, we can certainly help in that, you know, disseminate uh, information, on, you know, you know, for Globe Sherpa. And that was one of my, you know, questions, you know, right now, obviously, we've seen, you know, that our communities, communities of color have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. economic impact. Both. So it's a double whammy. Number mm-hmm. one, you know, our frontline workers are, are getting decimated with the um, uh, with this um, with this virus, and then you know the first people to get laid out were our people, and a lot of them, you know, that they're not accounted for, or not they don't have the support um, mm-hmm. and the support and safety nets that you know the, the the citizens do have. So how does uh, how does your company right now addressing the situation or uh, I mean what what have you guys been doing uh, to, to 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 kind of address these needs? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the so that's that is a good a kind of a, a very true fact, right? Like not everybody, you know, people who are kind of non-citizens don't get the the kind of the luxury of or the privilege of, of the the subsidies, right, as it relates to ACA coverage. Yeah. So um, that is always a, it's a tough thing to navigate internally, especially when we get those calls. Um, I think a lot of the things that we've done as a team and continue to do um, as a team for, for these types of calls that are coming in is we have uh, a lot of resources as relates to kind of low-cost, no-cost clinics. We've got resources around other um, social programs, and we've got a lot of kind of content on our blog about this. Um, so folks who are looking for other type, types of benefits and programs, um, government programs for low, no-income folks. So we've done, a, we've done a lot of work to kind of gather gather all of that information and uh, provide kind of relevant local um, offices and, and phone numbers and uh, information for folks to kind of apply for for those programs, right, whether it's kind of food stamps or um, or other programs. Okay. All right. So it's, it's, more, it's also, you know, a resource guide for, uh, for communities. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, and, and by the way, I did see, you know, on the blogs, you know, some information because I think when we spoke, everything was in English still. So now, you know, there's more content in Spanish. So if you already mm-hmm. have, like, life support in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we've been in, in, in talks, you know, last year, you know, with the, with, with the our lo- local officials about mm-hmm. the, the main topics that keep coming up is access. How, how do we provide better access and access in general? So access to capital, mm-hmm. access to information, and access to services for communities of um, mm-hmm. underrepresented minorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you provide a great example. That you know, this is the, the, this is you know one of the, start, the examples of startups that address that need. And you know, how do you guys solve a problem for the for the communities that we want to serve? And I wanted to ask you just personally, like, how, what part of your, you, you as a designer, how is your, your process on designing a product that's going to reach the, that, you know, our communities? Yeah, I mean, I think that the process and how we kind of build those products and experiences really starts with, with the folks who represent those communities, right? So, um, as we, as, as I kind of go about it internally, I mean, one of the things that I, I like to do is connect, um, and work closely with our Spanish speakers on the support team and really kind of, kind of unpack a lot of those conversations that are coming through. Um, there's a lot of fears you can imagine around some folks sharing information and yes. essentially see if they're eligible. Right. Um, Correct. And then there's also just once folks have coverage too, there's, and you kind of touched on this a bit, but there's, um, you know, there are certainly communities of color, especially black and Hispanic folks, um, uh, and even LGBTQ plus folks, uh, also don't feel kind of motivated and uh, comfortable going to um, their providers and to their doctors. And there's some, there have been some stories that I've certainly heard uh, out there about, um, you know, Latinx, Hispanic folks, especially folks who are, um, 
you know, not citizens just not going to the hospital to get tested for COVID, even though they had the symptoms and they're kind of riding it out. So it's just, um, we've had some tough calls internally. And I think, you know, the best way that we can kind of show up and, and work within, um, you know, the products and services that we provide at, at, a, at a core is just to kind of take it further, right? So when the, the ACA potentially does not kind of support, um, you know, immigrants and such, we we do everything that we can to give them the resources um, that they can uh, be eligible for and show up for them in, in those ways, even though those conversations are incredibly difficult, right? So, I, yeah. Uh, Kat, and with this, so let me make, make a quick pause just to pay our bills and, and give a shout out to our, our sponsors on that. And we'll, we'll come back after this uh, 30 short minute break, okay? Sounds good. This hour of the Startup Radio Network is supported by Bridges to Change. Bridges to Change's mission is to strengthen individuals and families affected by addictions, mental health, poverty, and homelessness. They use their voice and resources to stand up to all forms of discrimination, mass incarceration, barriers to health care, and inequitable economic opportunities. Bridges to Change's goal is to empower people to be self-sufficient and become members of the community, who in turn offer the same opportunities to help others. They strive to have everyone leaving their organization with stable housing, social support, sustainable employment, education, access to health care, family engagement, and goals for the future. To get involved, donate, or to get help, make sure to visit www.bridgestochange.com. And we're back with Kat Perez, one of the co-founders of Health Sherpa. Kat, so we're talking about our communities, uh, our communities, and I wanted to to share. And um, uh, last with you, last year uh, we had, uh, you know, we organized several events here in, in in the Portland area, like the Startup Week in Latino, Pitch Latino. Last year we have a phenomenal um, a, a person, I mean, just a beautiful human, Derek Reyes, which I believe I think I made an intro to you. Uh, he was the winner of the of the event. He flew his he you know and present his startup queerly held here in, in uh-huh. Portland. Mm-hmm. And you know this is exactly I mean we he shared his stories about being um uh, you know a, a person that I, I you know identifies with you know with, with the day pronouns and it's like he, he's he was touching mm-hmm. on on that I'm like look. I didn't feel comfortable. I, I keep hearing and hearing, you know, people in my community, in the trans community, that you know, especially the ones that are that live in maybe red states or small mm-hmm. rural communities, they definitely don't want to go into a clinic and uh, and and have to answer all these tough questions. So, uh, giving them a portal like yours, where at least you 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 have that that connection, how can you help these communities as well? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think one of the things that we certainly focus on as we as we think about kind of our partnerships, because we certainly work with a lot of folks, um, we focus, focused on heavily uh, last year was uh, building those relationships and partnerships with um, LGD, LGBTQ plus uh, partners. Um, and I believe we even went as far as building a um, uh, provider check tool. Uh, oh, wow. To check, okay. Yeah. To, to check to see um, which providers were LGBTQ plus friendly. Right. Um, yep. Yep. So um, that is such a tough, that is such a tough thing to navigate. And I can so, um, you know, I, I believe, especially with the, with the trans community need that there are a whole set of different kind of, and, and, uh, uh, other other kind of scenarios that they and discomfort too that would be felt uh, with uh, finding providers, feeling safe with providers, um, you know, as opposed to to my experience, which is very different, right? Um, and and that's always something too that we don't talk enough about, which is like we kind of put uh, all these folks who are on the the potential spectrum right of the uh of the community into this kind of one big talking blanket talking points about our experiences and they're all so different right within within um the community so i think for us you know one of the ways that we also feel that we can kind of show up um for folks in our community uh especially trans folks is just to hire 
trans folks and have trans folks on our team kind of fielding those conversations and and kind of uh, showing up for those those uh, folks who need um, help navigating uh, the the system and uh, utilizing their health coverage. So, um, because with the, within that community, there is so much kind of knowledge that is shared around providers okay. that that people have, um, you know, gone to and trust, right, and are kind of trans friendly and inclusive. So, um, I, I think see. that's yeah. So that's a way that we kind of have um, uh, really kind of shown up uh, for the community in that way in the past. Okay. Because yeah, my, my, my question was really, so how do you vet organizations that, that where you can say, look, this is safe, this is a, or not safe, friendly um, to the LGBTQ plus community. So I, I don't know if you, you guys had a process, but you know, it, it's, if you have an internal team that can help you navigate those waters. Yeah, yeah. So it was a combination of just internal folks. And, and usually that's how it works, too. I think the one of the big challenges is getting access to some of that data that's out there. Um, okay. And yeah, and forging those relationships, right? So folks who are maintaining some of these um, databases of LGBTQ uh, plus inclusive providers, um, and, hmm. and being able to kind of work with those organizations to get you know, access to that data um, and, and kind of see, you know, who's managing those databases, uh, who's vetting them, et cetera. So I think that's just, that's uh, probably an area uh, generally, like we could probably all work together on anybody who is certainly trying to build products and experiences to show up for the LGBTQ plus community, um, you know, more openness and willingness to kind of work with partners to, to really kind of put those, those tools and products out there in the space. Okay. Now, and, um, you know, we're talking about information too, you know, the, the privacy. What would you, um, in your perspective, what, what, what would you do to, I wouldn't say guarantee, but at least, you know, ease the, the, uh, the uncomfortable feeling of a person trying to, you know, you know, go through your system and divulge, you know, basically all the more, the most personal information. Yeah, I mean, I think the the information that there can be absolutely sensitive information that comes up in the process, but usually it's it's more kind of um, PII as we think about identity, right? And the, yeah. the the types of folks that come through, whether it's LGBTQ plus or um, or uh, you know a, a non citizen, right? Um, I think you know, the, the thing that, that time and time again will, will always work better than any potential product that you put out into the space, right, is that representation that you have on the team, right, which is I why see. we, yeah. yeah, which is why we focus on making sure that we have representation on the team, because these are communities that uh, experience the stigma in healthcare, right, with, with providers and, and with finding coverage and with access to coverage. So it's important that, you know, folks with the lived experience are on the team and able to to really kind of show up for these these folks who need the guidance. Okay, yeah, no, that, that's that, that's extremely important, and that's that's a valid point. Um, and, and with a follow up, like, what would you um, suggest? What what do you think the healthcare industry needs to go or move? If they want to be more inclusive, you know, not only um, on the Black Latino community, the people that don't speak English as a native language, and the LGBTQ plus. Um, that is a that's a load, <laughs> that's a loaded <laughs> question. <laughs> that, that, all right, so, so we, we have our, you know we have you have material for another episode. That's great. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, look like look at where we are today, just in general, right? with with the protests and and with you know black lives matter and and you know all of the police violence i mean i think i think there's just a lot of work to be done on really kind of unpacking the, the systemic and institutional racism that exists especially for mm -hmm. black folks black folks and definitely for brown folks and and other kind of communities of folks right yeah so I mean, it really starts there because when you think about providers, doctors, right, um, that all of that is ingrained in them. Um, so, you know, there's there's providers right now literally telling people of color, especially black folks like, hey, go home. I, I don't care about your symptoms. We're not going to test you for COVID. Right. 
Um, they're, do- they're doing this right now with Hispanic folks as well. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing stories about this all, all over the state. So uh, it, it really starts with a- addressing that, right? Um, and making sure that that, you know, as we, as we think about kind of getting folks into these positions, and, and this is a broad thing, right? This is just not in healthcare. It's obviously happening with police. Correct, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a whole nother discussion. But I think that's, you know, that's certainly the root of a, of, of a lot of the problems that we have and the lack of access, especially for more vulnerable communities and communities that, that have just been oppressed for for, you know, hundreds of years. OK, no. And, and like you said, you know, this is systemic. But where do we start? I mean, we. I, I, and, and the, the reason I'm going to ask you this question is because personally, you know, we've been in a multitude in, in, of conferences and, and meetings with, uh, you know, local uh, federal senators, and we have conversations. So we know we everything starts with a conversation, but I think we've mm-hmm. had conversations, as we can see in the streets. So mm-hmm. <laughs> before, you know, we delve into, you know, out route anarchy, what, what, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't, I can't say that I have the answer. I just know that anybody who is, who is willing to kind of acknowledge their own privilege, right. Myself even, right. Just uh, has to do everything in their power to, to show up and, and try to change, try to change systemic racism, right. And institutional racism, um, which really is, is the, the core and at the root of a lot of these these issues um and i think in you know in the context of my experience which is the only thing i can speak to right um you know ways that i've been able to kind of show up is uh, well one generate wealth for myself and try to generate wealth for others that's that's number one right as you think about the wealth distribution amongst communities of color like it's incredibly disproportionate um so you know, POC in positions of, of power and leadership, you know, I think we have a responsibility and uh, to, to pay that forward, right? And, and to promote and, and grow and develop other, um, other folks or other people of color. So that's, that's number one. Um, I'd say number two, within our product, it's tough, right? Because we work within a highly regulated, government-regulated product. So one of the things that we can do and we have been doing is to try to kind of inform um, some of the decisions that are made to protect people at the end of the day, because that's a- the ACA was was rolled out for exactly that, to be inclusive of all folks who don't get the privilege of employer-sponsored coverage, Um and to really kind of protect them at the end of the day, right? To protect uh, vulnerable communities of people who, you know, unfortunately were not protected um, yes. by ACA. Um, so I think within, within you know, your products, if, if you're in tech, um, doing everything that you can to kind of reinforce those values and see them through and stay true to them and push, push it as far as you can, um, you know, I think that's 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 another thing that can be done. Taking that a step further beyond the products and the services and your team, right? Um, we are incredibly, incredibly value driven at Health Sherpa, and that really means, um, you know, diver- celebrating diversity, difference, um, really working on kind of inclusion and belonging, and those things really matter to us as a company. We certainly walk the walk, so even just thinking about the past week, right. And everything that's been happening and, and our team members, you know, it's, it can't just be business as usual, right. Even though what we're doing yeah. is incredibly important. Um, we have to look beyond just the business and really care personally for our team and, and show up for them in the ways they need us to show up for them. So that means, you know, um, making sure that uh, you, you are kind of rolling out, um, policies or, or giving folks time, right? Like awarding PTO or um, providing education and resources so that people are kind of educating themselves on um, anti-Black racism, right? Or, or racism in general and the inequities yeah. that exist. So I think there is um, 
there are things that people can do. Um, there are small things people can do and there are big sweeping things that people can do. But I think, you know, we only have, we each only have kind of the space and, and the access to do certain thing and the capability to do certain things. Um, but as long as we're each taking action in the capacity that we can um, at scale, that can, that can really kind of pay dividends. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't have an answer. I think it's a, it's a bigger kind of. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, and, and I completely agree with you. You know, and you know, like I said, you know, first start with it, uh, having the uncomfortable conversation. That that in itself is a giant leap. So it's uh, you know, it, it, we're able to get out of our comfort zone. Like again, you know, I, you know just being a starter founder, it's one of those steps. But then you know, start asking the, the tough questions and, and make mm-hmm. make people rattle. Uh, so like, like, you know, acknowledge where you are in your position, if you're in a position of privilege, and that's the that's a, that's also a giant step to make it home. Because I'm at 36,000 feet, and mm-hmm. it's a different view than at 1,000 feet or ground level. Yeah, um, exactly. Super impressive what you guys are doing. Uh, I want to learn more and more, you know, about how can we help help Sherpa keep growing and going from fifteen percent to thirty percent of that uh, of the marketplace. Uh, what can we, um, as a startup community, do to help you, you know, achieve those goals? Yeah, yeah. I think you know. I think for us, it's a lot of the partnerships that we've we put in place have have helped. Um, so, I mean, anyone who is is looking to kind of, um, you know, serve any sort of community of folks who need help navigating coverage, especially during the, the pandemic, um, you know, due to the unemployment rates, right? Yeah. Uh, if people are laid off or furloughed, I think, you know, there's a lot that we can do to help people navigate that, you know, that incredibly kind of tough, tough road. So, because you're going to be, you're going to have folks out there who are going to be trying to sell you short term, which is very dangerous. Um, you're going to okay. have you're going to have the option. In some cases, folks are going to have the option of Cobra coverage versus ACA coverage. And Cobra is incredibly, incredibly expensive. Um, so I think. Uh, why is that? Uh, what, what, I mean, like, and Cobra is just in, uh, uh, insurance while you're unemployed, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But that percentage that your employer used to cover. Yeah. Whatever, whatever percentage it was, ninety percent, uh, certain essentially goes away, and you're responsible for it for the majority oh, wow. of the costs. So it gets really expensive depending on how much you've paid into the plan already. Um, yeah. It, yeah. And so it's about, I think, I believe it's about six hundred dollars on average. Um, but that wow. is, it. It gets incredibly, incredibly expensive, and and folks don't realize that they have options. Right? They don't have to elect Cobra. They can check out their options on the marketplace and see if they qualify for some some nice subsidies right so um i think i think people don't know that right health insurance is a tough thing to navigate and there's a lot of programs out there and a lot of options and your employer's offering you this so i think uh you know in terms of what you know what the community can do to help us succeed i think it's more about hey if you have if you have a team of people or uh, or somebody that you know or an organization, be nonprofit, for profit, whatever, who is looking to help folks navigate this really complicated space, we can absolutely help. And and we've seen a, a significant kind of increase in partnerships, inbound partnership requests from a lot of big kind of tech companies and organizations who who need our support during this time. Oh, okay, no, no, that's that, that, that's great to know because we can certainly help. I mean, we have a fairly large following in, in, in the digital world, so we can, uh, in Spanish, obviously, so anything that we can do to help. Uh, but I was also trying to think, you know, who, you know, from our uh, previous guest list, you know, who, you know, can can fit in your in your in your model. So I'm I'm, gonna, I'm making notes as as we go. Uh, because that, that this is what the purpose of the of the podcast is, is not just you know bringing those these phenomenal stories like yours, but it's also connecting people so you can you know everybody can can keep mm-hmm. doing amazing things and just amplifying our voices and like you mm-hmm. said you know make us all win. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thank you. And inspire others to 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 to, to be great like you guys. Mm-hmm. So, Kat, uh, and, and, and again, you know, right now I had one, um, and this is also a large question, you know, we have a unique situation in the U.S. where 
you know, health insurance tied to the employer. Uh, it's ex- extremely ex- expensive. I think that the people that, that uh, our, our listeners that are outside of the U.S. that they, they don't understand that because you know most of the countries have universal health care. Uh, two conversation, you know, these are two 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 different things. One, what are you guys um, doing, you know, to help you know maybe move the needle from you know employer based care towards uh, you know a universal and and if we enact universal healthcare, let's say you know the next administration or whatever, how would that impact your business? So, so again, the question is around um, folks who get access to employer co- coverage versus yes. versus folks who don't, or yeah, yeah. So, I think there are uh, there are a few things going on. So, the ACA is is exactly was meant to kind of serve those folks who don't get employer sponsored coverage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually some interesting things that are happening right now. So are you familiar with individual coverage HRAs? Uh, no. Okay. So that was, um, that was kind of a new rule that was, that rolled out uh, effective January 1st of this year. And okay. it's essentially, yeah, it's essentially defined contribution from the employer. Um, and any employer can kind of, uh, they can, design and roll out and we call it an ICRA. It's, it's not the most attractive, acronym, but, um, <laughs> but they can, they can roll out these individual coverage HRA. Sorry. Um, and they can say like, Hey, Edgar, you and uh, everybody over in Portland will get, um, you will, I will give you $500 to pay your monthly premiums every month. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you can go out and shop for your coverage now. So, okay. So that's a, that's going to be inter- it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, we've been having a lot of conversations with all sorts of kind of partners in in the in this space, um, and we're seeing that some of the earlier adopters are are providing this to non benefit eligible people. So if you think about part timers, yeah. um, and contractors. And gig economy workers, yeah. Exactly. They're designing these individual coverage HRAs for for communities or or, uh, employee classes like those, which is interesting, Interesting. right? Um, Very interesting, yeah. Yeah. So um, there's obviously some benefits. I mean, one of the partnerships that we have with a very large um, kind of Fortune 500 company with with a huge part-time population, uh, we've been working with them uh, on ACA coverage for the past um, three plus years. Uh, and essentially, you know, we found that uh, it helped kind of decrease churn to, to be able to offer these okay. part-timers uh, individual yes. coverage. So it'll be interesting to see if individual coverage HRAs take off and if we see employers, large and small, designing them for non-benefits eligible um, people what what that kind of how that will play out because that's that's a way that can get it's an, a creative way that can get people who normally aren't offered employer sponsored coverage, coverage yeah right that's that's fantastic yeah, well that, i think that's great news now mm-hmm. you know i'm, I'm going to make a little bit more research about that and well yeah you know our time is running out but i also wanted to see you know there's um something in my mind something pressing we've seen uh you know there was in the news here in oregon that our largest hospital system has a one billion with a b uh hole in their budget for this year as you know the, the global pandemic hit <coughs> i'm sorry uh, just because, you know, you know, it's affecting the revenues, you know, people are, you know, the, the hospitals basically shut down or the hospital service and it's just um, attending emergencies. Do you think we're in the midst of a healthcare crisis coming up, uh, you know, after, you know, we saw the, uh, the, the, the health, I mean, the, the COVID-19 situation? It's hard to say. Um, I think it's disproportionate, right? Like in terms of... Yeah which hospitals are feeling that that financial strain or suffering from that financial damage uh, versus others that are essentially, you know, ghost towns. Like there's, there's no activity in some cases. So it just depends on where those hospitals are. And uh, interestingly enough on the provider or the carrier side, uh, and this is anecdotal, but we're also seeing yeah. some, some cases that, um, 
folks are not utilizing their health coverage because they can't technically, you you know, Go, they're, yeah. yeah, yeah, people are in shelter in place. They're not leaving their homes, right? They're they they are kind of um, practicing precautions to to kind of make sure they're not contracting COVID. So. There's some interesting things happening out there um, as it relates to healthcare and, and the kind of providers in the space. So it's, yeah. it's hard to know where it's it will kind of all land. I guess we'll see in the next couple of months, weeks. We'll, we'll see one crisis at a time. It's just yeah. 20, 2020 just has a lot of surprises for us. And I know. Exactly. <laughs> so oh please goodness. make it stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kat, thank you so much. I mean, it's been great, you know, say, saying hi to you again, you know, catching up. Um, and again, you know, we, 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 let's connect offline because we would love to help. I mean, we have a pretty large um, following and we would love to, you know, because we know this, this is important information. You know, we, we, anything that we can do to help you and help, you know, get spread the word, uh, and help our users as well to like, like navigate the waters of, um, uh, healthcare in the U S we would love to be part of. Yes, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for, for having me again. I grew it was so great connecting with you and, um, please do let me know uh, if I can do anything to kind of show up for other folks uh, within the community, within your network as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gad. You know, hope you, you enjoy your Friday um, and, you know, hope you, we talk soon, you know, maybe, maybe we get to meet each other in person once the restrictions are yes. lifted and you were able to travel again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Friday, everyone. Latino founder hour. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin McLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo. De Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero. 